Do you have a hard time making decisions? Now, we make decisions all day long and every day, right? From what should I eat today or what should I wear? Uh, what TV show should I watch or where should I park my car? So some of those decisions that we face are pretty simple ones. But sometimes we have some bigger decisions to make. Maybe we would even say they're life-changing decisions. For example, for young people, they're thinking about where should I go to school? Where should I go to college? What, what career should I prepare myself for? For those who are already in a career, you might be wondering if that is the career choice for you or if that's the company you want to work with. And so maybe you start thinking, well, maybe I should look for a different place to work. Or big decisions like, should I purchase a house? Is it time to buy a new car? Or when can I retire? <laughs> so some of the decisions we make are big decisions. And when we see that they're big decisions and sometimes hard to make, we say we're, we're at a crossroads. Well, that word crossroads, of course, reminds us of the cross of Jesus. And some of those decisions that we face aren't just really about our life here, but about our relationship with God. The prophet Jeremiah spoke these words from the Lord. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Well, as we have come now into the season of Lent and look at the cross of Jesus, let's look at the cross as we come to the crossroads. And taking the advice of God, look for those ancient paths. Look for the path that is good. So we're going to have a series of messages simply entitled, at the crossroads. And we are going to look at the events or, or those leading up to Jesus on the road to his cross and see how that affects us. Today, the message is simply, follow Jesus. Now, the words that we have before us are really getting us to take a good look at ourselves. Have you ever taken a good look at yourself? What do you see? Are you like this cat who maybe has the impression that he's a big, brave, strong lion? You know, sometimes we look at ourselves and we think, you know, I've got it all together. My life is okay. I'm fine in my walk with God. I'm sure Peter and the other disciples thought that too. But Jesus gave them something else to look at and then gave them a different perspective about what they were really like. And so it brings us then to a crossroads question. Let's listen into this event as Jesus begins his journey to Jerusalem. From Matthew 16. From that time on, and I'll explain what that time was in a few minutes. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things 
at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. Those were the church people. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine that? Rebuking God? Can you imagine shaking your finger at God and telling him he's wrong? Maybe we do that. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will, say, will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. That event puts a crossroad question before us. Are we stumbling blocks or building blocks for Christ? Now you might think, how could, how could I be a stumbling block? <laughs> I mean, here I am in church, and I'm a good Christian, and I pray, I read my Bible, I serve, I do all sorts of things. I'm sure Peter was wondering the same thing. Lord, are you talking to me? How am I a stumbling block? I'm, I'm a guy who hangs out with you and, and follows you and learns from you. Well, let's take a look at what it means to be a stumbling block. That word in, in, in the Greek was the word scandalon, and it was picturing a trap that had a very attractive bait on it. You know, like mousetrap with a nice piece of cheese or a little bit of peanut butter on there. That's what attracts that mouse to come to it. And of course, we know what happens when it takes that bait, the trap closes on it. Well, Jesus was telling us that maybe we are that kind of a trap, a bait that people follow. But what he was really warning was that this was all a, a tool, a ploy of Satan. Now, we're used to having roads closed for various reasons. Maybe it's construction or recently with the rains, you know, there was mudslides and rock slides or even flooding. And when that happened, what did you have to do? You had to find an alternate route. So sometimes when something is in the way, you have to find a way around it. You have to take a different route. Sometimes we're simply at a crossroads and, and, and don't know which way to take the different options. Now, when we have to take a different way and, and we're not sure about it, we might get lost. Uh, in January, I had to go to Southern California for a conference, and it was right after a big storm. And I needed to get to the conference quickly, so I called up on my GPS. What was the fastest way to go? And it was going to send me on some back roads I had never been on before. 
But I followed the directions. Well, because of all the rains, there were roads that were closed because of flooding and mudslides. And so I had to go off in another direction. I didn't know where I was going, but I did eventually make the conference. He laughs because I was late. <laughs> and so it is that things can come up in our life that, that steer us off course. And of course, if you were to get stuck in, in some of that flood water or, or hit a pothole, you'd bring some damage to the vehicle. In the same way, if we take a wrong path or hit something that's on it, it could bring some damage to us too. But how is it that we could actually be a stumbling block? Well, one Bible commentator said what Jesus was talking about was when we become a personified temptation to turn aside from the will of God. That sounds very theoretical or, or big words, doesn't it? A personified temptation. It means when I myself as a person and a, am, am a temptation that could turn myself or somebody else away from the will of God. Now how could that be? Well, let's take a look at what was going on here with Peter. Remember a few minutes ago I said as I started reading, it said from that time on, and I said I'd explain what that time was, Jesus was just talking to his disciples and asking them what people were saying about who he was. And they offered all sorts of suggestions. And then Jesus turned the question to them. He said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah? For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, you didn't figure that out on your own. But by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And that's the word that means rock. You are a rock. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, when Jesus said, and on this rock I will build my church, he wasn't talking about Peter because Jesus changed the form of the word that he was using to refer to the rock strength of that profession he made. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow! What a beautiful and truthful statement that was. And so Jesus went on and now started to talk about his mission. And the reaction of the disciples revealed that they were actually opposed to the will of God. Listen again. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Jesus said, I must, and that's a real strong word in the Greek language. I must go to Jerusalem, I must suffer and die, and I must rise again. That was the will of God. Jesus accepted that will. Jesus agreed with that will. Jesus wanted to carry out that will. It shows just how great his love for us is. I thought I did a great job of showing my love to my wife on Valentine's Day. I bought her a box of Girl Scout cookies, her favorite kind. 
That's nothing compared to what Jesus did here in showing his great love to give up his life for us. Jesus wanted his disciples to know that so that they would be prepared for what was going to happen, so that they could go through that fear and that worry. But look at Peter's reaction. Peter takes him aside, pulls him off the road, shakes his finger at him and says, never, Lord, and that's a real strong word in the Greek language too, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Ooh, that's a pretty strong word from Jesus, isn't it? To be called Satan. The word Satan means enemy. Somebody who is opposed to you. Jesus was saying, Peter, you are opposed to the will of God. Now, we might have done exactly what Peter was doing. We might have said the same thing. No, Jesus, we don't want that to happen to you. When we go through the season of Lent and we hear what Jesus did and the suffering he endured, our hearts are convicted that we were guilty, we were doing that, and we didn't want that to happen, but it did. Like Peter, we may say, no, we don't want that to happen, but then Jesus says to us, don't oppose God's will. There is no other way for you to be saved. Jesus then went on and said, you have in mind the, don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what will you, anyone give in exchange for their soul? But the Son of Man is coming in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Jesus shows us that sometimes we can be a stumbling block for ourselves or for others when we not only oppose the will of God, but when we operate only with the thoughts of man in mind. What's in it for me? How do I think things should go? I like the way the old King James Bible actually translated that when, when it says, you only have in mind the concerns of man, the old King James Bible said, you savorest not. Savorest not, what's that? But savor. We, we savor all the time. Get a nice meal. You savor that smell and the juices and the flavor. You just want to take it in and enjoy it. And that's what he was saying. You, you're just taking in the thoughts of man, the things you want. Well, what kind of things do we want? Well, I want to do what everyone else is doing. I don't want to stand out and look different. I want to hear what man has to teach. But in reality, when I hear the philosophy and the thinking of man that's opposed to God, it becomes a scandal on I trip and fall in my faith. Or maybe it's just the things I have. Even though I say in, in, in God we trust, I have a big question mark behind that, because I sure worry when I don't have the money or don't have the other things that I think I need. You see how the, the thinking only like a human being instead of according to the will of God can make us a stumbling block to ourselves or maybe even to others.
So, we're at a crossroads. We have some decisions to make about what we think, about what we believe, about what we say, about what we do. With all the construction stuff going on here with the remodeling, sometimes you've got to be careful where you walk. That's why we have orange cones over here because there's still some bolts up in the floor when those pews get put back, and we don't want anybody tripping over that. When you, if you get back into the fellowship hall or in the entryway, there's stuff all over it. You've got to look where you're going. And that's true for us in life, too. We need to look where we're going. So let me give you a few questions to help you look at where you're going. Do I put my interests above the will of God? Do I set aside God's will in certain situations so that I can go along with the actions of others or not put myself in an unfavorable light? with others. As a parent or an adult role model, do I do things which show children it's okay or acceptable to do things my way even though they are not God's way? And my children will not answer that question. Do I do anything that keeps people from God? Do I keep others from hearing God's word? Do I want to turn Jesus away from his suffering and dying for sins? Now you're thinking, how could I do that? He already did it. By relying on my efforts to please God rather than laying my sins at his cross. Do I have little or no concern for furthering the kingdom of God in the world or in my own life? See how easy it is for us to become a personified temptation to turn aside from the will of God. For me to stumble or cause somebody else to stumble. So what should I do when I'm at a crossroads? Look at the cross and see Jesus. Be reminded of what Peter said. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Be reminded of what Jesus said. I must suffer and die and rise for you, for your selfishness, for your self-centeredness, for your disobedience, for your rebelliousness, for your weakness, so that you may be clean and forgiven and saved. Jesus can make a big change in our life. He can turn us from being stumbling blocks to being building blocks. And Peter saw that change in his life. So much so that in his first letter, he starts out by telling his Christian readers how God has changed us from being stumbling blocks to building blocks. Listen to what he says. As you come to him, Christ, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones being built into a spiritual house 
to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, which was the word for the Christian church, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. God tells us this is how we can look at ourselves now, and this is what we should see. And Peter says, here's what you are. You are living stones, living because of Christ. Who was that living stone? The one who laid down his life only to take it up again for us. The one who is God's one and only precious son. The precious one because he's the one and only who could save the world. We are living stones because God has put us through faith on him, connected us, us with Jesus to have life. And he becomes that solid foundation. Remember the story Jesus told about a man who built his house on sand? And when the winds and the river and the rain came, it just wiped out his house? But he said, the man who built his house on a solid foundation, on a rock, when those winds and rains of life came, his house stood firm. So Jesus is encouraging us to build our life on him and his word. And note how, he note how Peter described that building. He said, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession." that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And look what he says the change will look like. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, abstain from your sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Sometimes people ask, well, what, are, what are things going to look like around here when this remodeling is done? More so, the question is, what's your life going to look like as God has remodeled you? To be a spiritual house. And that doesn't refer to a building, of course, but to a household, a people. He described us as a priesthood, those who are building a bridge to Christ, and that bridge is the cross. If you're around here during the week, you hear a lot of construction noise, saws and hammers and talking and mother machines going on. It gets kind of noisy sometimes. Even the upstairs classrooms have to leave and go somewhere else. But what kind of noise are we making as the remodeled people of God. Peter says a proclamation of praise, declaring him who has called us out of darkness and sin to grace and truth. And that's what we're about. The remodeling that's going on is going to make things nicer, will improve what we can do, but it's not going to bring anybody to Christ. That's still our message. And that message is Christ crucified, which Paul said 
is a stumbling block to the world. But it's the wisdom of God to save. So he invites us to live in that will. I remember reading some time ago about a contractor doing, building a house in, in Michigan. And uh, the first story of the house went just fine. But when they started working on the second story of the house, they had all sorts of problems. The building materials weren't the right stuff. Things weren't joining up as they were trying to build it. And they discovered that they were working with two different sets of plans. Is that how you live your life? There's God's plan and there's your plan. God invites us to follow his plan, to live his way. The story is, is told of King Henry of, of Bavaria, how he was so tired of being the king and all the, the, the challenges living in the court. And he decided he wanted to serve God by going to a monastery. So he went there, and, and he was given all the rules and things, and the prior of the monastery said, this has to be a sincere commitment that you're making. And he said, I'm ready to do it. And then the prior said, then go back to your throne and be the king. The point is, wherever God has put us is where he wants us to serve him, to live as his people. So as we stand at some crossroads and face big decisions, maybe some life-changing decisions, there's a simple question that we need to ask ourselves. Am I a stumbling block? That is, am I going to do something that causes me or somebody else to turn aside from the will of God? Or am I a building block? Listen to the words of Jeremiah. Simply stand at the crossroads and look. Be reminded of what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus calls you to do. There is just one road for us to walk on, one cross to rely on for one salvation. Stand at the crossroads and follow Jesus. May his spirit give us the strength and wisdom to do that. Amen.